Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your May 6th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Uh, a lot to get into on this episode, including the player profile of Kevin Hayes. So uh, we'll replay an interview we did back with him at the uh, very beginning of April, very early in the NHL pause, very early in this pandemic. So we'll recapture that interview coming up in this episode. Also, in just a couple minutes, going to have a chance to hear my conversation with Flyers defenseman from Uppsala, Sweden. Robert Haig will join Flyers Daily. And really interesting conversation uh, with Hager because uh, he's in Sweden. We know that the players that uh, returned to Sweden for this uh, NHL pause have been able to skate. He has been able to skate. He'll also give us a great breakdown of Linus Sandin, the newest flyer that uh, Chuck Fletcher signed uh, just a week ago, um, the f- uh, forward from uh, Sweden. Same hometown, actually, same village, as a matter of fact, as uh, Robert Haig. And Robert Haig's been friends with them since they were three or four years old. Knows the player very well, knows the person very well. He'll give us a breakdown of Lena Sandin in that conversation as well. So that is coming up in just a couple minutes. But a couple things to get to, some some housekeeping here. A couple of statements coming out uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers, one regarding uh, tickets and uh, the the tickets that were unable to be used. The release reads as follows. It says, in these unprecedented times, we appreciate our fans' patience as we navigate through uncertainty surrounding how and when Flyers hockey will resume at the Wells Fargo Center. While we remain hopeful that the 2019-20 season will resume, we have proactively updated our ticket policies for the regular season games that have not yet been played as a result of COVID-19 pandemic. Flyers fans holding tickets for any of the six remaining home games in the 1920 season will receive credit to apply against future scheduled payments or the option to request a refund. Season ticket members will receive a credit for six the six unplayed games in the 1920 season to be applied to their 2021 season pr- uh, payment, which is due in June. All season ticket members are given the opportunity to defer. Well, they were given their opportunity to defer their April and May payments. Uh, applying this credit to their June payment will further alleviate members' needs to make payments towards the 2021 season. Um, all other plan holders will receive a credit that they may apply towards future tickets or may opt for a refund. A couple of other contingencies on there as well, including flyer, fans who purchase tickets through a Flyers representative, the Philadelphia Flyers website, or at the Wells Fargo Center box office will also receive a communication today uh, outlining specific details regarding their tickets. In the event of any of the six to yet be played games uh, from this season, all rescheduled at the Wells Fargo Center fans who held tickets for those games will have the first opportunity to purchase new tickets in the rescheduled games if that is applicable. So uh, that's the statement in regards to the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, season tickets and and ticket holders for the games that did not get played. And also coming up today uh, at 4 o'clock, the live stream event hosted by Steve Coates and Tim Saunders, the celebration of the 10-year anniversary of the Philadelphia Flyers' 2010 Stanley Cup run. Uh, It's a special commemorative live show presented by Coors Light, Made to Chill, and it brings together members of the 2010 team for a special experience with season ticket members. It's going to be very cool. Uh, Scheduled to appear on the stream, JVR. Uh, By the way, congratulations to James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, for just having a baby the other day. Also, happy birthday to James Van Riemsdyk, uh, as well as Flyers alumni Brian Boucher, Danny Briere, Simone Gagne, Scott Hartnell, Ian LaPerriere, and Kimo Timonen as well. So it should be a great event. And speaking of uh, Brian Boucher, he will join us on Friday's episode, and we'll look back at the five-overtime classic from 20, well, the year 2000, 
Uh, it was May 4th, 2000. The anniversary, the 20-year anniversary was Monday. Brian Boucher was a rookie goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers in that five-overtime game. So we'll relive that coming up on Friday's episode with Brian Boucher. And also on Friday, Ivan Provorov will join us as well. Kevin Hayes' player profile will come up, but right after this, we're going to check in now from Uppsala, Sweden, my conversation with Flyers defenseman Robert Haig. Uh, very happy to have join us right now on Flyers Daily. We did his player profile a week or so ago, and you can go back and check that out. But uh, Flyers defenseman Robert Haig joins us right now from Uppsala, Sweden. Uh, Robert, how are you making out? Um, I'm pretty good during these circumstances. I'm, uh, I'm healthy, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, in Sweden, um, it's obviously a little bit different here. It's been treated a little different uh, there than it is in the United States. Um, so you going back to Sweden, what went into that decision to go home for you? Um, a couple of days after when the NHL came out with a memo and said uh, that the European players could go home to their country, uh, me and my girlfriend decided uh, after a couple of days, we... We thought first of staying in Philly for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, but uh, most of the guys left pretty pretty early. And when Jake and Rafi went back to Europe, we felt, well, let's do the same thing and see the family and the friends at home. So a couple of days after, I would say we decided to go to go back home. Uh, it is a scary time, and in scary times, you want to be where your home is, and and there's some comfort in that, isn't there? There is absolutely. It's nice to be able to be close to family, especially during these times. Like you never know when or if it's gonna happen something to someone close to you. So you want to be there and yeah, support especially your family. So it, it it's a good feeling to to be home and do that. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't. I never even thought of that. That you know. You know, being a half a world away, or if you will, or here, and your family's there, and God forbid somebody were to get sick or have to, you know, need assistance from other family members to be close to them would be very important. Um, what has it been like in Sweden? Because um, their approach to, to dealing with this has been different than North America and a lot of the other world. Um, but what is the, the freedoms mm-hmm. that you have there, and, and how's it been uh, dealing with COVID-19 uh, over in Uppsala, Sweden? Uh, I mean... <laughs> It's different for sure. It's it's not normal at all, and I don't know if you can trust what uh, they say in the in the news in the newspaper and all that. But it's different than normal, absolutely. But uh, I mean, we're still able to go outside and be outside, and I'm still able to see my family, which is good. And um, yeah, but you can see, like for example, we still have the restaurants open or the government has allowed the restaurants to still be open, but you can see they've been taking away a, a lot of tables. So people are separate from each other, but uh, I have a feeling they, they want to continue and try to be as normal as we can in these times, but at the same time, nothing is normal. And I don't think it's anywhere in the world that it's normal right now, Yeah. but um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, you're right. There's there's nothing normal about this. None of us were alive the last time something like this happened in 1918 with the with the Spanish flu. So no. we have no uh, we have no frame of reference. Um, one of the things that a lot of the NHL players are having a hard time with is the inability uh, to get out and skate, practice, work out with other guys. In Sweden, that's not the case. You're able to get on the ice. First of all, how long? How many? How often are you on the ice? And and how's that been going? 
yeah, uh, we're fortunate to be to be on the ice and work out and do that stuff. Um, I try to skate basically every day, every morning. Uh, we're able to rent uh, the rink for a few hours every morning, and it's me and two other guys. We try to keep it keep it pretty small, but uh, it's a nice nice way to handle everything. I mean, most of the guys are trying to stay away from each other. But at the same time, our work is to work out and be prepared for for playing hockey. So I'm able to do that. But uh, yeah, it, it's different there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of guys would just love to get out on the ice even by themselves. And we heard in a conference call last week, Ivan Provorov had the ability to up in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, staying with his billet family, uh, to get out a little bit on a, yeah. on, a, on a private rink, not even full size, but just to be able to put the skates on and move around a bit and you know, get your hips engaged and legs and all that. Um, and I guess stretch passing is a, is one of the things that you guys are working on. That's that's socially distancing on the ice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I agree 100%. But it's, not, it's nice too, like, not. I don't like skating around by myself. Sure, I do sometimes, but it's always fun if you have someone else you can skate with. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a full team, but if you're one or two or three guys, then you can try to make some drill up and keep it, kind of normal and make a practice out of it but uh, at the same time you don't want to be too many either because you don't want to yeah be around too people that much i guess in these yeah. times well the, yeah. the other thing too i mean you can work on passing and crispness and those kind of things do you have a goalie out there uh yes we do we have one goalie and two two All players right. who can so it's pretty good I was gonna yeah. say, I'll, I'll fly over to sweden for where you can bomb away at my head <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for more a than welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, how how much you kind of have been paying attention to what's going on with the league. Because um, I've mentioned this several times on the podcast that uh, I gave a big stick tap, uh, stick tap to Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, the league, and the players' return to play committee, which involves James Van Riemsdyk as your NHLPA rep for the Flyers. Um, but they've been very transparent yeah. in. in a the the desire to come back and, and finish this regular season in playoff and and be the scenarios for which it may happen. Um, how close of uh, attention are you paying to that part of the equation, or are you just kind of saying, you know, I I can't get caught up in the day to day of that. I'll just come back when they tell me it's time to come back and play. Of course, I'm on top of it, and I mean we have a group chat, and James put as soon as he hears something from the league or from the NHLPA, he posts it in the group chat and. In that way, I can stay on top of it. But at the same time, like I'm kind of sick on day by day. I'm just trying to have a normal routine at home. And when they tell me to come over, I'm going to be on the first flight to head over and be ready to play. Is there an assumption that you have to quarantine when you come back? I have no clue. <laughs> I yeah, hope I get, not. You, but You'll get all that info, but yeah, I would think you would. Yeah, I guess so. I mean... What I can read in, in the newspapers and stuff right now, it's like if you travel across the borders, you're going to have to sit in quarantine for 14 days at least. So if that's the case, then that is the case. I mean, we all have to be careful. Yeah, the world is not a safe place right now, so we all have to be precautious with what we can. And traveling, yeah, it's not optimistic at this point, but if they tell us to come over and come back, we, we have to do that. Um, I'm going to ask you to put on your scout hat for a minute because one of the things that happened um, during this pause is 
Chuck Fletcher's made a bunch of signings to entry-level contracts. Um, but one of your countrymen was a guy that they signed last week, Linus Sandin. Uh, I know you know Rasmus as well, um, and I'm sure you know Linus pretty well. Um, tell us about the player that the Flyers have just signed. Uh, it's a great player. Uh, it's a, actually a funny story. We, we're both from the from a small, I wouldn't call it a town, more a village. It's 2,000 people in this village, and both me and Linus are from there, famous Rasmus. So signing, when he signed with the Flyers, I was extremely happy because it's a kid, I, it's a guy I've known since he was three, four, five years old. Oh, no kidding. And we've been following each other, so... That two two kids from the same village are gonna hopefully play for the same NHL team. That's at the same time. It's uh, it's gonna be special for sure. And what I've seen from him, he's he's a guy that can play every single role. Like he can play in the top line, and he can play in the fourth line, and he can like he's going out and do his job. He's a skill guy, work ethic. It's extremely good. And um, it's going to be fun to see him come over and, uh, yeah, compete for a spot. Now, this is going to be three NHL players currently from Uppsala, Sweden. That, is that the village? It's Uppsala? No, it's even a smaller town outside Uppsala. It's called Alunda. Uh, okay. Has there been any other NHL players? I don't know players? if you want to try it. Uh, I'll take a pass because nope. I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> but, but you, I mean, it's now you, Rasmus Sandin, um, Lena Sandin. Yeah. Any other players? Yeah. Nope. It's only us three. Wow. And all currently in the league and two are on the same team. You're, you're going to kind of divide the town when it's the Flyers against the Leafs, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we are. But, I mean, it, it's special. It's crazy. And, I'm really happy about it. Yeah, and I'm really happy cool for Lena's sake too because he's been working hard to be at this spot there he's right now. He's been going through several teams here in Sweden to like be the player he is right now and now he got like this NHL offer from Philly and I know he had a lot of other offers too from other teams but he he picked Philly because yeah, he'd been following the team for a while and uh, I guess he, he just liked the Flyers. Yeah. Well, he thought it was a good opportunity. And were you part of that process? Were you helping him, kind of counseling him? Like, hey, you know, Philly's a good place for you, and, you know, kind of here's why. Uh, I wouldn't say that, but I know he's been watching our games because I play there, and we've been following each other in that way. But I didn't know that until I came home uh, during this quarantine, quarantine time. He came up to me and said, uh, you know what? I just signed the Flyers. We, hopefully, we're going to be teammates next year. Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's, I mean, look, we look at it, a lot of the people that grew up here in North America, we look at it and go, okay, you know, there's certain hotbeds where a lot of players make it to the NHL, and there's others where not a lot do. And you come from this small village in Sweden and a kid that you've known since you're three, four years old. Um, to have the, not only a good lifelong friend, but a countryman uh, along for the ride with yeah. you. That's pretty cool, right? It's amazing. Yeah, it is. Wow. That's yeah, a great story. 
Um, let, let's talk about uh, your season so far because uh, Chuck Fletcher in the offseason went out and grabbed a couple of uh, veteran free agent defenders and Matt Niskanen who's playing alongside Ivan Provorov and uh, Justin Braun who uh, you have now uh, been in tandem with. First of all, you know, what's it like to have that experience of a guy like Justin Braun there uh, to, to play along with? And, and why do you guys play so well together? Because it's really worked out well for both of you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the coaches put it together a couple of weeks before the quarantine. And uh, I don't know. I would say we're kind of the similar similar style of a player. Uh, we both put the, like the defense first and the offense will come when it's come. But um, there was something that just we found a connection right away, and we we're just trying to do our job. And I mean, Justin has been in the league for I don't know how many years, and you can tell on his routine and like he knows what he's doing. And I'm just trying to to follow him, I guess. But uh, yeah, it was something there that that worked out for us. So hopefully, we can keep building that when. Uh, when the playoff starts, hopefully. Yeah, having a guy like that to play alongside, um, who, who you, like you said, your first your first job is to, to keep the puck out of your net, prevent opportunities, and take away time and space uh, for the offense of the other team. Um, but but you, you've got three goals, 10 assists this year, 13 points. You had 20 points last year. Um, everybody on this Flyers team defensively isn't afraid to jump into a play and, and, and try and get some offensive opportunities. You guys lead the league as a decor in scoring in the NHL. That's got to be fun for you. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course you want to score goals and assist and all that because, I mean, everybody plays to score goals. It's way more fun than letting in goals. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, not everyone can be an offensive defenseman either. That would be kind of hard to play that way so you need uh, every guy to buy into their role and mine and Justin's role in this team is probably not being on the power play and putting up 40 50 points a season but probably keep keep the puck out of the net 40 to 50 times so yeah I don't know what to say I lost myself there oh no worries um one of the stats that really sticks out to me on your stat line and I, and I try not to put a lot of um emphasis on the stat but but it bears I got to bring it up here because you're a plus 14 uh you know I look at that a lot of times plus minus say well that's a team stat but a plus 14 is pretty significant um is that something you look at you know you've been on the ice for 14 more goals than you've given up that's big <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I try not to look into the stats too much, but of course, I would rather be plus 14 than minus 14. I can tell you that. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, let's talk about uh, your contract. You're in the, the, the final year of a two-year deal. You're going to be a restricted free agent at this uncertain time. And it's, and it's really bizarre. Like, this is an absurd situation with the coronavirus and the pause and everything else uh, globally. Um, how's that kind of yeah. affected you dealing with that uncertainty coupled with the fact that you, you're in a contract year? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm trying not to think about it too much because there's nothing I can do right now. I mean, we played 70 games of the season so far and hopefully I showed uh, the Flyers that they want to have me for next year too. So it would be different if we only played like 10 or 15 games and it didn't go that well, then 
I would be more worried. But now, like, from a team standpoint, like, we had a good season going. I felt pretty good while, while I was playing. So the only thing I can hope for is the Flyers like my play and want me back for next year. And if not, then I'll figure it out somehow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, one of the things is this new coaching staff. There was a lot of changes in the offseason. Lane Vigneault comes in as the head coach. Mike Yo, an assistant, uh, doing a lot of work with the D. Obviously, Ian Luperrier is still there. Michelle Terrian, um, great veteran coaching staff. How's it been playing for AV and, and Mike Yo and, and, and the whole new group? It's been awesome, actually. Like we knew from the beginning, it's going to take some time to, to adapt to the system and it's not going to click right away. But I think we could see it in the last month or two months or so when the things are start clicking we we're having an extremely good team and we're doing really good and that's a lot on AV and Mike and you know, Terry and as well and Lappy and Kim and like all all the coaches but uh, it's been really fun to to have all these guys behind the bench and it's actually pretty funny to listen to AV on the bench too when he's yelling at everyone well i hear that he run everybody and everybody's had the same reaction that you had that it's been great um but the way he runs a bench is something that's been mentioned so many times that i've heard from players and other coaches that um there's got to be something to it that just his command on the bench is um decision making when to push the right buttons is, is pretty elite isn't it yeah it is you can tell he's been in the in the league for quite some time but uh, I I just remember like when he's he's standing on the bench and he's so into the game that he <laughs> forgets sometimes to put on the players on the ice like oh who's up and he's like oh well I don't know gee you're up or <laughs> because he's so into the game and it's actually kind of funny sometimes. Uh, um, let let me ask you about this because you know you were on the team last year and you know you guys went through eight goalies you played all eighty two games you were along for the whole ride. You know, no organization at, at any level is eight goalies deep in, in the depth chart there. Um, and so, obviously, that was a tough situation for you guys. And you, you know in that situation that if you make a mistake, a lot of times you're pulling it out of the back of your net. This year, it's been a lot different. Carter Hart, uh, you only had three goalies play. Alex Lyon played one game. It was against Colorado. It was a win at the Wells Fargo Center way back in, I think, January. Um, but to, to get the goaltending that you're getting from – uh, the young goaltender, 21-year-old Carter Hart, in combination with the Sage veteran and Brian Elliott, um, lets you guys play a little bit more free of mind, doesn't it? It does, absolutely. I mean, as you said, both Hartsey and Moose has been tremendous this year. And it gives, especially our D group, I think, a little bit more confidence that we are able to jump up in the play because we know if we screw it up, we have a really good goaltender who can help us out one, two, three, four, five times in a row. So it's really, yeah, it's different than last year when he had eight goalies, as you said, and uh, trying to help them out as much as you can. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That never happened before that one team has eight goalies in a season. So well, there's a communication thing with the defense during that too, time. There? There's, there's yeah, a there is. Yeah. But uh, I can only talk about this year because Hartsey and Moose has been coming up so big for us. And, yeah, I hope they keep – I know they will keep going when we're coming in here to the playoffs too. 
Um, let me let me ask you about playing uh, games because one of the one of the scenarios is playing um, in maybe what you call a neutral site or centralized location if you guys are to come back, but without fans. First of all, when's the last time you played without people in the stands? You, I mean, Pee Wee. Yeah, it must be that time. I I can't remember the last time I played without fans. I, I really don't care. How weird would that be? You know, it's kind of the silence of an arena while you're playing an NHL game. I think it'd be interesting for for people watching on TV because they get to hear a lot of the chatter out there. Some of it, which may not be uh, appropriate, but still, um, it will be different. How how do you yeah. kind of feed emotion without fans in in, in buildings to? kind of help uh, push teams along or give you the uh, us-against-the-world mentality? I mean, I think it would be different for sure. But if that's the way we have to do it to keep playing, I guess that's the right way to do it. But, uh, of course, you want fans there. You want 20,000 in the audience and cheering for you and for the team. So, like, hopefully we don't have to go to that point. But if that's the case, then we're just going to have to ride along with it, I guess. But I don't. I hope it's not going to happen to be yeah. that way. Yeah, a lot of people, obviously, you know, fans want to get back in buildings and want things to get back to normal, and everybody wants to get this game back on the ice. Seems like there's a lot of momentum to do that, Hager. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time yeah. to do this. Uh, I know it's nighttime uh, in your country where it's uh, the middle of the day here in North America. I appreciate you doing this. I'm I'm glad that you're getting to work out and stay healthy, and and uh, hopefully we get you back over here soon, get back on the ice, and get this thing underway and, and culminate this 2019-20 season. I hope that too. Hopefully I see you soon. Very interesting perspective from Robert Haig uh, being in Sweden where they've treated this uh, coronavirus situation far different than here in North America. Uh, but good to know he has been able to skate pretty much daily uh, skate with a couple other guys and great breakdown of the newest flyer who Chuck Fletcher signed to an entry-level cr- contract, Lena Sandin, who uh, Robert Haig has known since he was three or four years old. So great stuff there from Robert Haig. Thanks for joining us. And right now, the player profile of Kevin Hayes. What an off-season acquisition he was for Chuck Fletcher. First and foremost, Flyers traded with Winnipeg uh, to acquire the rights to Kevin Hayes uh, f- just a, about a week or so before um, the free agency period was to open and the new league, new league year was to turn over. Uh, Kevin Hayes was traded from the Rangers in season as a rental to Winnipeg. Winnipeg gave up a first-round pick for Kevin Hayes. He played 20 games with Winnipeg, five goals, seven assists, and 12 points in those 20 games. Also in six playoff games, two goals and an assist as well. Uh, for the Rangers last year in the 18-19 season, in 51 games played, 14 goals, 28 assists, and 42 points. He was a big signing for the Flyers in the offseason. The big free agent acquisition uh, really brought in for a couple of reasons. One, to solidify the center grouping and put Nolan Patrick in a more uh, advantageous position as a, uh, a young player in this league. Uh, to get third-line matchups and those kind of things and eventually grow into that role as a top-six centerman, uh, where he has been actually even prior to Kevin Hayes being here. But what a fallback plan it was, not knowing at the time Chuck Fletcher, when he signed Kevin Hayes, uh, that Nolan Patrick would not have played a shift pretty much this entire year or so far this entire year through 69 games. If they pick back up, we'll see if he's able to get out there. Uh, But Kevin Hayes has been everything for this Flyers team. And you can't really measure him by his points. In 69 games, He's got 23 goals, 18 assists, 41 points uh, in that time. Uh, But he has done a ton to improve the penalty kill, which needed a lot of improving. He's been good on the Flyers' power play unit, mainly the second power play unit. Um, Not only what he brings on the ice, 
but it's really another big thing and part of the equation with Kevin Hayes is what he brings off the ice. And just about every player uh, profile uh, interview that we've done here on Flyers Daily, when they all mention Kevin Hayes, they all mention he keeps it loose. He's always having fun, makes going to the rink a good time. And for guys like Robert Hague, who we just spoke to, and Sean Couturier and some other guys, uh, Scott Lawton, he's one of those guys, too, that can fill the room. Not all the guys like to, to speak a lot on a hockey team. There's all different personalities. And when you have a guy like Kevin Hayes, it takes a burden off of those guys to just kind of sit and watch guys like Hayes speak up when you need to. Uh, but to have that big personality uh, is alleviating to some guys uh, in the NHL as well. And he's been a great addition for the Flyers. Chuck Fletcher uh, hit a home run uh, by signing Kevin Hayes. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like the contract on his first signed term. Uh, you didn't like maybe the number. Uh, but for what he's brought to this team in total, and again, it's not just on the ice, it's off the ice, has been invaluable to the Philadelphia Flyers. And he's a big reason why this team is a uh, number two spot in the Metropolitan Division, nipping on the heels of Washington, and another reason why people think that this Flyers team, should they get this season back underway, will be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Back on April 3rd, very early in the pandemic, and just a couple weeks into the NHL pause, I had a chance to catch up with the Flyers' big center, Kevin Hayes, and here's our conversation. Kevin Hayes joins us. Kevin, how you doing, man? How's the, uh, uh, the stay-at-home order been treating you? Uh, I'm doing fine, uh, healthy. Um, just bored, honestly. Um, I've never really had anything like this happen to me, and um, I mean, the best way to to get over this is kind of following the right rules and place an order for us. And I've been trying to do that a lot of Xbox. So you're playing? What are you, what are you playing on Xbox? Uh, I'm playing some Call of Duty and some Rory McIlroy. Oh yeah, <laughs> have you have you have you shaved down your handicap uh, playing the golf? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, if my game could ever have any correlation to my Xbox game, I'd be probably on tour. Yeah, they're a bit long in that game too, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, are you binge watching anything? Like I talked to James uh, Van Riemsdyk the other day, and uh, he's all yeah. Tiger King doubt, man. Yeah, I, I watched Tiger King. Uh, um, catching up, I finished a million little things. Um, I started Little Fires Everywhere. Um, and I've actually been killing the board games. I've been playing a lot of board games. Wait, well, like Risk? Like what kind of board games? Uh, well, I play a lot of cards. Um, nice. And then this new, this new game called Racco, pretty good. Oh, okay. It's, uh, now, it's a fun th- game. Yeah. Th- this is all stuff you wouldn't get to do had you guys still been playing right now, right? <laughs> for the most part? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's I'm back in Boston and my family's uh, – we all live pretty close to one another, so we've kind of quarantined together, which has been nice and kind of been nice to kind of have more than just myself around and, and um, makes it a lot easier. Uh, makes, instead of me going insane, I get to kind of go see them and hang out with them. Yeah, sometimes going insane in numbers, I guess, is, is more palatable. Um, you spent a yeah, lot of time exactly. You spend a lot of time in New York. You, you see what's going on there. Um, it, it's hard to see. It's hard to watch. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of contacts still there and a lot of friends in that city. What's it been like seeing New yeah, York it's, through that? Uh, it's, it's incredibly sad, honestly. It's, uh, it's one of the best cities in the world. Um, just so much going on there, so much history. It's literally kind of the, the nucleus of the United States, and and um, it's just sad to see what's going on. 
I know a lot of people that live there, a lot of people that are quarantined there, and it's uh, it's not a healthy situation. Um, I feel bad for everyone that's involved there and, and um, sending them nothing but positive and healthy vibes, and, and hopefully this is over sooner rather than later. Yeah, no question. Uh, Kevin, um, to just all of a sudden – take the skates off uh, against Boston or I guess that next day when you guys practice down in Tampa and not be able to get back out there to kind of go from, you know, 80 miles an hour to, to a standstill so quickly as a player is really difficult to deal with. How's that been for you to all of a sudden just have a season stopped that way? And then when you're losing the playoffs or you get injured, that's one thing. Uh, but the way this kind of went down and just for it to stop like that, it's been difficult on some people, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, hopefully something like this never happens ever again. Um, but to be going to the rink every day and then seeing your buddies and seeing your coaches and going on a nine-game win streak, feeling good about yourselves, almost at the top of your division, start clearly preparing for playoffs, and then all of a sudden the NBA gets canceled and then you get canceled. And it's uh, it's definitely a whirlwind of emotions. It's it's, I think it's a lot different for some teams. I'm, I'm sure teams that are at the bottom of the division are kind of like, all right, whatever, earlier summer. But teams that were really going to make a, a memorable run are, are kind of upset about it. And, and um, I mean, it's not only us that was having a good season. So I know a lot of guys feel this way. But it's, uh, it's sad not being able to kind of go for the Stanley Cup. And hopefully we can figure out a way where, where that's still something that is possible in the future. Um, when you look at uh, some of the reports of uh, different scenarios have been out there, 2014 playoff fields, five uh, round first round or second round, and then a conference final and, and cup final at seven. Um, how, how late can you guys go? Because one of the proposals that was reported by TSN on insider trading was that, uh, you know, July, August playoffs or August, September, then a month in between to another 82 game season. What's palatable uh, for you as a player and what you're hearing from your fellow uh, members of the PA? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's honestly so many options where you kind of hear something new every day. It's, it's kind of like the same situation where you get text messages about the coronavirus, something new every day, and you don't even know who to believe anymore. And, and um, it's just a situation where I think time will tell. Uh, the the player reps and us as players, we we um, we kind of come together and figure out the best possible situation. But I do think there's going to be a playoff somehow. I don't I don't know how they're going to be able to do it. Um, in a perfect world, we do a playoff to clear a Stanley Cup champion and play an 82-game schedule next year. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but um, I'm sure the the PA and, and the owners are going to figure out what's best for, for everyone. And you alluded to it. Maybe teams, you know, like Detroit that are way out of it. It's hard for them to come back, have a training camp, play 10 games, and then go back on the shelf. Uh, but to get right into the playoffs may be the scenario. Um, I talked to several of your teammates and, and other members of the of the organization and uh, are, are you like-minded with them that there's a lot of unfinished business you guys feel right now? No, for sure. And honestly, it's for me, it's everyone's going to be in the same playing boat no matter, no matter what the situation is. Um, so I, I'm, I'm preparing to do whatever. If it's a couple games on playoffs or playoffs, uh, I think at this point everyone's just willing to, to figure out a way to get right back into it. Uh, Kevin, when you look at uh, your transition to be- becoming a flyer, you spent a little bit of time in Winnipeg, but let's face it, you've been a Ranger for most of your career. Uh, there's a rivalry between those two cities, but your transition here has been really uh, unbelievable to watch. And the fans are absolutely loving every element that you bring to the table, both on the ice, off the ice, and wherever that is. What's that transition been like for you? 
um, coming into a new situation, a new team, it sometimes can be a little stressful and, and maybe take some time to, to become yourself in that, in that regard. But, you know, you, you've assimilated yourself beautifully. Yeah, no, it's, it was definitely was stressful at the beginning. Uh, I was a guy who signed a big contract for a long time, and uh, I don't think some of the fans or I don't know, even some of the media wasn't too happy with the contract and stuff. But, um, but it, it takes a little time. I was coming to a city where I honestly knew nothing about. Um, I visited once in college. I played against the Flyers a bunch of times, and that's really all I knew. Um, but no, I mean, I was told. Um, they invested in you. You should invest in them, and I'm kind of stuck by that. It's it's a uh, it's a great organization. Uh, it's run by great people. The people who work there are, are unbelievable. The leadership group is great. The prospects and the young guys are great, and it's honestly been a very easy transition once I uh, once I kind of bought into really being a flyer, and and um, it's been super smooth for me. I, I've loved every single second of it. Um, I know I wasn't putting up great points and stuff, but uh, I feel like when I was doing off the ice and in certain situations on the ice, uh, I was helping the team. And um, I went from not knowing a lot of guys to, to calling a bunch of these guys some of my best friends. I, I knew that your, you know, your kind of integration was really genuine because I heard you on Chicklets and talking about you know, the relationship that you've already developed with guys like Jake Voracek, Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, and many others. So you could feel that it was genuine. And you see the responses that you get on social media. Um, and you engage in that with Gritty and everything else, and people dig that. So I put out a solicit for a few questions on social media for you, knowing I was going to talk to you today. So here's a few for you. Jim Ike HW said, what's it like playing for AV? The difference between uh, playing for AV in New York and now playing for AV here in Philly. Is there a difference? Um, yeah, I think the difference is personally, honestly, when I entered the league with AV, I was a, a kid who put up a lot of numbers in college and kind of thought everything was going to come easy and, and just cared about playing offensively. And he kind of switched my game. And, and um, I feel like he was, he was um, a, lot, like a lot harder on me then. Uh, kind of as a young kid standpoint and and now I feel like we have a great relationship with one another and um, and then now I feel like he gets disappointed with me when, when I don't do the right things but before he got mad at me which was I'd rather him get mad at me in New York than disappointed in me in Philly it's like when it's like when your parents don't get mad at you and they're just more disappointed it feels worse Oh, when they said that, that's like the word. I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed. You're like, you crumbled. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, no, how do I figure this out? I got to start using that. But I, feel, I feel like I feel like we I've, I've honestly been in the league for this is my sixth year and I've had AV for four and a half of them. It's it's uh, I've been lucky to, to kind of call him my coach. He's, he's an unbelievable coach. And uh, I think what he stands for uh, in the game of hockey and I think what he stands for. Uh, like personally with how to treat people and the way to be treated. And, and um, I think how he goes about that and that aspect of his life is, is a very easy guy to follow and kind of gain respect for. And, and I think that's why he's had such an easy transition. It's a Philly. Um, gin and juice tweets in, I could use one now. Uh, he said, how did you learn to, <laughs> right? How to use your body so effectively to, to box out other players for puck position. He says, it's a standout skill of yours and there's plenty of talented big centermen who don't do that nearly as well as you. That really helps you on the PK as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you grow into your body too quickly, you kind of, 
lose some some speed and and your body isn't developing the the way it should be but like with your muscles and stuff so I couldn't skate that well for a long time uh throughout high school and into college and I realized in order to to gain an advantage I'd have to figure out how to use my body and I think in the NHL even though even though I'm not I'm not the fastest skater I think I put my body in in a position where I gain steps on guys and if a guy is skating full speed and I put my body in his way, he clearly can't keep skating full speed. So I think I gain a lot of steps by, by, um, by using my body. And I think I learned that probably, probably going into college. And that's like a, not like why work harder, just work smarter in a lot of ways. Right. Exactly. Coots, Coots is the biggest advocate of that. And I'm just following him. (laughs) What's a good guy. Yeah. No question. Um, Um, you know, gaining acceptance in a city like Philadelphia, tough sports fans, we know that. And Brian Hunter tweets in and says, do, do you realize that you're becoming one of those special Philly athletes that fans gravitate towards? Do, do you recognize that? Um, I don't think I recognize it. I think it's just more of being myself. Um, you don't want to come to a, a city and put on a fake act, fake act. Um, because if, if you really are genuine and you be yourself, on and off the ice uh people are either going to like you or or dislike you and 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 um i think the way i've gone about it is is i mean it's kind of just the way my parents uh raised me it's uh i'm a huge advocate of making sure that everyone around me is having fun um and i, I think i try to stay up to that to to a t honestly i try to enter the arena whether it's a game rink or the practice rink and whether it's guys on my team coaches people who work at the Wells Fargo, I try to make sure that everyone's kind of enjoying themselves and, and enjoying their time uh, around the Philadelphia Flyers. And, and if I can kind of put a smile on anyone's face, that's, that's honestly what I try to do. I've, I've built some relationships with some workers at, at the, um, at the Wells Fargo. And, and I remember we were walking, me and my dad were walking to my car after one of the games and some fan above screams, uh, Kevin, you were born to be a flyer, and then like two weeks goes by, and my dad's like, I, I kind of think that guy was right. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not at first, right? Growing up up in Boston, your dad's like, "No, you were yeah, born to be a, no, you were born to be a brewing to, son." <laughs> but like, it's 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 honestly been crazy. Like, fans of fans of like really like the mic'd up videos. Uh, oh yeah, the stupid the stupid championship belt celebration, and then I have a bear named after me, and and uh, it's it's honestly been great so far. Yeah, um, see, that's people here like New York, like Boston, East Coast cities. They they spot a fake a mile away, and the genuineness yeah, is probably exactly. what they yeah what they what they grab. Steve Nudy tweets and he goes, yeah, uh, t- to that beer point. He goes, how good is the New Yard's Big Hazy IPA? It, it's good, but yeah, I would suggest <clears throat> I would suggest only having a couple. Oh yeah, that they kick you, they're, huh? <laughs> they're heavy. Yeah, it's a double IPA, and it's eight point seven percent. They're <laughs> they can catch up to you pretty quickly. Uh, Jason Voorhees tweets and he says, who was your idol growing up as a young player, you know, as a young kid growing up in the NHL? Who, who'd you watch? Uh, it's kind of weird because I still play against him. Uh, it was Joe Thornton. I loved him. I loved him and Eric Stahl. And I played with Eric Stahl in the same line in New York. And I've played against Joe for my whole career now. And it's, I always love playing the Sharks because it's, it's like, a chance to kind of go against your childhood idol and and i mean i sit there and off but he's still doing what he's doing and it uh it makes you realize how awesome the nhl is i grew up a 
kid from Dorchester just wanted to be Joe Thorin, and now I get to go up against him and play against him. It's, it's, uh, it's cool that it's come full circle. Did, did uh, you know, him getting traded uh, out of Boston, did that scar you as a kid? No, not really, because I honestly wasn't the biggest Bruins fan. My cousin, uh, Keith Kachuk and Tommy Fitzgerald, I kind of just followed whatever teams they were on. Um, and I loved Joe Thornton just because he was a big guy, and he's kind of a pass-first type player. And, and But I, I honestly wasn't the biggest Bruins fan growing up. Um, Chris tweets in, he says, do you still have your Peloton bike from your apartment in NYC? Are you using it? You on the Peloton? <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a Pel- it wasn't a Peloton, but I. I Would you have a Peloton Bobo? Now. Do you have a Bobo Peloton? I had like a. It was like a Cybex, I think it's called. Oh okay. But, uh, uh, are, are you are you pedaling away on that though right now? Yeah, I've been I've been killing the Peloton. Cat, <laughs> uh, last Twitter question. She says, uh, since you watched Tiger King, did Carol kill her husband? Did she feed him to the lions? I think, I think Carol killed her husband. I do too, man. She freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, seriously. She's in my nightmares. <laughs> uh, uh, last thing for you. Uh, are you a Patriot fan? And, and what's it like up there now that Brady's gone? I mean, he, dude, he announces that on St. Patrick's Day. That's like putting the knife in and twisting it on, on Pats fans up in, up in New England. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady's – he doesn't do anything by luck. He, he, <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. This guy's career is unbelievable. He, he always chimes in at the right time. And, and uh, I mean, I think Eagles fans might be happy. I do love the Patriots, but now that Brady's gone, I, I think I'm going to add the Eagles to, to my team to watch. There you go. That'd be perfect, man. Hey, Kevin, yeah. uh, uh, we hope the game gets back on the ice, man. I know that everybody is – there's a pent-up demand for not only just sports, but the NHL, and everybody feels like you guys can do something special here, and they don't want to see it cut short. So uh, best of luck. Stay healthy, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time here on Flyers Daily. Thanks, you too. Stay healthy. He's becoming a bit of a cult hero here in Philadelphia in short order. Uh, and once again, he he's at it again, uh, doing good things in the community. It's one of the things that, well, he's just kind of grabbed this community and and really helped it and, and, and kind of made it his own. But uh, in a tweet that came out yesterday from the Flyers, uh, Kevin Hayes and Brulee Catering uh, hooked up 10 local fire and police stations with Cinco de Mayo's finest offerings. Bought them all a bunch of food, had it delivered and everything. Uh, so once again, Kevin Hayes, just uh, tremendous work uh, in this community uh, as a teammate, a community teammate as well. And uh, it's going great with Kevin Hayes, and we, we hope that can uh, continue and the Flyers can get back on the ice. And we're hoping to get some, some more information on that. Uh, throughout this week, we should find out in the next day or so, and maybe even by the time you're listening to this, we may know uh, if the NHL draft is going to be in June or not. I suspect it will probably June 5th, and these teams will have to prepare for a draft without the regular season or playoffs being completed uh, for the first time uh, since 2005, really. Well, there's a, a locked-out season, uh, a lost season prior to that when the Pittsburgh Penguins ended up getting Sidney Crosby in that 2005 NHL wrap but that's going to put a wrap on this episode of flyers daily uh, if you're not following or subscribed uh, make sure you do so also if you could leave us a rating and review and that helps other flyer fans find this podcast and i've been checking out the reviews great stuff from people um, i know one guy said uh great content but it, uh, the interviews uh, don't sound as good it would be a five if it was hey man i wish that we were doing these interviews in person we have to resort to this technology at this time 
Uh, but I appreciate you listen, listening, and I appreciate the uh, the critique as well. And all you Canadian fans, too, been checking out uh, your reviews as well. We appreciate you listening north of the border or wherever you may be. In the meantime, wherever you are, stay healthy, and thanks for listening.